Welcome to the Breckenridge Market Recap. I'm Sarah Chanda, a member of the Portfolio Management Team here, and I'm joined today by Eric Haas, my colleague and fellow PM. For those of you not familiar with our format, we choose three topics to discuss that we feel are notable in the muni market, and today's agenda includes state revenue bounce back and market implications, extreme ratios, and lastly, special revenue bonds. So for those of you who tuned in last month, you may recall our discussion about states reporting lower revenues for the fourth quarter of last year. And Eric, what are we seeing now? Right. So last month, we did talk about the decline in state revenue uh, relative to late 2017 and early 2018. Primarily, that was driven by tax reform. So income was actually recognized in December of 2017 and early 2018. And the main reason for that is that taxpayers want to take advantage of lower rates or avoid elimination of deductions. And, you know, the biggest portion of that is the elimination of the state and local tax deduction. Um, What we've seen recently is that state revenues have reportedly rebounded in March, uh, up to as much as 11% year over year. So this really includes a jump in states like California, New Jersey, Illinois, and Connecticut, amongst other states. But California, which is a really good example, they collected over $18 billion in personal income taxes. That far exceeded Governor Newsom's estimate by $3 billion. And on the other side, you also have Illinois, where the state of Illinois received more than $4.1 billion of individual and corporate tax revenue last month. That's an increase of nearly 40% from April 2018, and it's more than $1.5 billion higher than projected. Right, so this rebound that we're seeing in revenue collections really means states are more likely to finish in line with the beginning of the year budget estimates and maybe even slightly higher. And this trend is certainly supportive of the market and may provide additional tailwind as we head into the summer months. One notable exception would be in the oil states. Tax revenues in places like Alaska, Wyoming, or even New Mexico, they've been weak relative to last year, really given the relative decline in oil prices. And actually, while we're talking about income tax, Historically, investors have used tax-exempt money market funds as a source of capital to pay their income tax, and year-to-date outflows from tax-exempt money market funds through May 1st of this year stands at negative $13 billion. So really, this year was no different. Uh, But how has that really been reflected in the rates market, Eric? Right. So we've discussed SIFMA and short-term rates, and essentially, SIFMA is the best representation we have of what cash yields in the muni market. So generally, when you see an increase in money market fund redemptions to pay taxes, that coincides with an increase in yield. So taxpayers this year dragged their feet. So they started actually selling these these money market securities a little bit later. So really, that was closer to early April as opposed to March, which we've seen in the past. So the March 31st SIFMA yield was was around 1.5%. It now sits at 2.12%. And in between, it hit a peak of 2.3%, which is actually the high since the crisis. Um, one thing we do want to point out is this, is this is a very seasonal event. This is something that happens every year around tax time. Uh, we do expect that that rate will drop. We're looking at redemptions and coupon payments uh, that are very high coming up. Uh, lighter forward-looking supply, a number of reasons that these securities would be in demand. And ver- variable rate demand notes, which are essentially the notes that comprise this index, uh, the inventory is down significantly now. So it's down below a billion dollars where three weeks ago uh, that was over $11 billion. So we do expect to see SIFMA rates drop uh, in short order. So moving on to our next topic, uh, municipal credit's been broadly stable, and we've seen state tax revenues increase or rebound uh, over the last month or so, and the market's been benefiting from record-breaking demand. So one thing we've seen is that this this increase in demand has been reflected in extremely low ratio levels. That's right. And actually, when we talk about ratios, just for definition's sake, we're referring to the relationship between AAA-rated municipal yields uh, relative to a treasury yield for the same maturity. And so unlike a corporate or taxable 
municipal bond, which trade with a spread off a similar dated treasury bond. Municipals really trade as a percentage of that treasury. Uh, simply put, the lower the percentage, the more expensive or rich the municipal. And, rate, and recently, ratios have hit some extreme levels due to really this tepid supply environment we're in and really an unsatiable demand for a tax-exempt income. And so now we question is, where are ratios now and how does it really compare to historical periods? The 10-year ratio currently is sitting between 73 and 74 percent, really the lowest level uh, that we've seen since 2001. That's really per Bloomberg uh, data. And historically, post-crisis, this average ratio in the 10-year spot is around mid-80 percent or so. Uh, the question now becomes, you know, what do we see as catalysts for breaking us out of the cycle? So supply and demand are, are really what drives the muni market, uh, we've seen, which we refer to as technicals. On the supply side, we've seen supply at around $100 billion on a year-to-date basis. So that's higher by around 3.5%, let's call it. Um, on the supply side, one thing that could change is, is we've talked about an infrastructure plan for you know a year now. Uh, in reality, it, it's been far from the distance, and it's not a high-probability factor right now. But there have been more recent talks between Trump and, and Democratic leaders to, to try to determine how to address a, you know, a need for infrastructure and, and a potential for a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. So if that does materialize, um, that could impact supply. So on the demand side, when you take a look at the fund flows we mentioned earlier, we've had 17 consecutive weeks of positive inflows. It equates to around $30 billion of mutual fund flows. Additionally, we've had strength in the separately managed account space with inflows there. In the short term, we're expecting a record number of maturities coming due in Q2. It's around $65 billion. So there still should be that initial demand that we're seeing for municipal bonds. Right. So you've laid out a case for actually what could obviously offset supply side on the demand side of the equation and what could possibly be a catalyst for outflows, which would then obviously change that, that mo positive momentum we've been seeing. Um, looking at a J.P. Morgan recent piece, they're talking about really a catalyst to stop those inflows would be obviously an increase in uh, Treasury yields. Uh, they had looked at a period of time, var various volatile times over the course of last several years. And what they found was that what triggers outflows is an average increase in 10-year Treasury yields of roughly 40 basis points or so. They looked back at periods of time, whether it was November of 2010 during Meredith Whitney, uh, the taper tantrum that happened back in 2013, and also obviously also the post-election meltdown back in 2016 as certain periods to cite. And so turning our attention out on the credit front, Recently, we've seen the validity of special revenue pledges brought into question as a result of the Puerto Rico bankruptcy. And just as a refresher, Eric, thinking about just GOs and revenues and different kinds of bonds in the market, maybe we start there. Sure. So the predominant types of municipal bonds are general obligation, debt, and revenue bonds. Um, one sector of the market that we pay attention to is, is the special revenue sector. Um, and that's, in that sector, revenue stream is really defined. It's guaranteed. So think of a sales tax or a highway toll or a gas tax. Uh, generally, you have a lockbox structure with a clear flow of funds. Uh, and really what it boils down to is that it disallows, the, the structure disallows for the use of those funds for other purposes outside of paying down the particular debt associated uh, with those funds. So what we're seeing now is that actual structure is being challenged in the Puerto Rico bankruptcy case, and it's being challenged with toll revenues. Um, so Puerto Rico redirected pledged revenue that was supposed to be used by the Puerto Rico Highway and Transportation Authority. Uh, and they took that and redirected to the general fund. So you have the municipal bond insurance companies headlined by a shared guarantee who actually sued the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico in the U.S. District Court of Puerto Rico. Essentially, they have a claim that they should continue to receive the, the dedicated special revenue throughout the bankruptcy proceedings. And on March 26th of this year, the Federal First Circuit Court of Appeals upheld last year's ruling. And the ruling basically states that uh, the payment of special revenues is voluntary during bankruptcy, 
and that the special revenue bondholder is entitled to the present value of the lien, but not the timely flow of revenue. Right. So thinking about the implications in the market, and obviously the concern for bondholders would be, would this occur more in the future if we've set a precedent now with this ruling? Uh, we really don't expect to see any uptick in issuers redirecting revenue for a couple reasons. Uh, one, the fact that there's a limited number of special revenue issuers facing insolvency, like Puerto Rico. Uh, default would result in higher borrowing costs. And third, really, debt doesn't go away. So whether the special revenue bondholder, they're still entitled to that repayment. And so then the question becomes... So how do we manage that risk in the market? So thinking about it from the credit side, uh, it's really important to thinking about, thinking about the preservation of that lockbox structure we referred to before, focusing on the flow of funds, revenue bypassing that general fund account, um, and really separating the special revenue pledge from the geo revenue. Uh, and the other thing to really consider as well is rating agencies and what they may start to do with their methodology and possibly tying the special revenue pledges of particular issuers more closely to their general obligation debt through their processes of, of rating um, issuers. Essentially, we just want to make sure that we're getting paid for the structural risk associated with the lockbox structure. So we'd expect to see spreads between special revenue bonds and the related geo debt compress as a result of the ruling and the subsequent rating agency migration. We'll have to continue to monitor the market to see if pricing does reflect this. So thanks for listening. We hope you found this information helpful. And as always, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at cr at with any questions or comments. Thanks.